What does wealth look like? Well, it all depends. Age, where you are in life, how successful you are with savings goals. We're going to cover all that and more on today's episode. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. That's right, Brian. I'm so, I'm so excited because, you know, we did a show a number of months ago. We kind of talked about the different levels of wealth because we think just like in most things financial, there's a progression that you work through. And we said, okay, well, that was good, but we can take it even a step deeper. We can look at levels of wealth based on age. Well, and it ties in because the algorithm lets us know this is a hot topic. Mm-hmm. People are loving this information, but there's a huge difference. A 20-year-old might be jealous of what a 40-year-old has, but a 40-year-old, no more than a man in the moon, can have the opportunity that the 20-year-old has. So we got to go a little deeper so people aren't getting those different levels of wealth confused based upon where they are in their journey towards financial independence. So this is one of those shows, Bo, that we're going to have to hit this hard and fast, but I do think it's worth coming back and at least doing a review of what those five levels of wealth That's right. actually are. Yeah, I love it. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that show, we'll kind of go through a really quick summary. You know, So level number one is the stability level. This is basically the level that says, uh, I can pay my bills. I'm yep. not worried about where the next dollar is coming from. I've got my foundation in place. Yep. Number two. Uh, strategy. This is now, now there is a purpose behind each one of my dollars. Every dollar I have is going where it's supposed to go, the way that it's supposed to go there. I know what I'm saving and I'm actually doing it. That's right. Number three. Number three is security. This is not sweating the small stuff. This is understanding that, okay, I've got things in place. I'm in a good spot. I'm okay moving forward. Take that, Latte Factor. Take number that, four. Latte Factor. Uh, number four is financial freedom. Uh, we consider this doing what you want, when you want, the way you want to do it. That's financial independence in yep, a lot of people's right. eyes. And then number five is abundance. And this is the place where uh, money takes on a different role for you. It, it is not the same thing that it once was earlier in life. And this is, I mean, it really is. I, I think it's beyond just having enough that you do things when and where you want. It's also you kind of now start thinking about your whole relationship with money is completely different. And we talked about it. Now, there's a much deeper dive when we did our first show on the five levels Mm -hmm. of wealth, but I do think it's worth, before we jump into by age category now, we ought to talk about how important it is to have a discussion on what is the purpose of money? What is your why? Because if you don't have that and you fly through these five levels of wealth, you're going to find out, and we've done content on this, Wealth can actually be somewhat empty if you don't have a purpose. Yeah, and, and I think the thing that we said you said in show prep, Brian, is it just it makes it sticky. How many times do we see folks who start off with like a weight loss goal and say, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds? Yep. That's very different than someone says, hey, I want to lose weight so that I can play with my kids or something. You know, the stickiness factor of the why is what will allow you to stay through both the good and the bad times. And hyper-focusing on, if you, if you just have a generalized concept, I want to be rich mm-hmm. or I want to make sure I have $3 million without understanding what the why is on sure. that $3 million. It's just you could be setting yourself up for not only to be a miserable person, but just to find out that the destination didn't reach the adventure of the journey to bring fulfillment. There's some emptiness there. So, And then the last thing is, I think before we kind of jump into this, I think it's important to remember to be generous. There is a reason. It's so funny how things fit into culture. And we always hear this saying, it's better to give than to receive. Right. And it's so funny. When you're a kid... And you're getting all your Matchbox cars and you're trying to ask for gaming consoles and things like that. You're like, that is insanity. But as you get older, it starts seeping in that, man, there is really something to this being generous part. So make sure you understand the five levels of wealth, but also the the why so that you actually turn this into fulfillment, not just happiness. So the way we're going to lay this out today is we want to walk through at each age, 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on, what do those five levels look like? What does stability look like? What does security look like? What does strategy look like? Because you'll be surprised to know they kind of change through time and they kind of morph as you move along your financial journey. So let's jump right into, I want to talk about the 20s first, is because this is the structural engineering phase. This is where you're pouring concrete. And we know 
the fact that concrete is so powerful that it holds up skyscrapers and all kinds of things. But there is a curing period where it's, you know, you pour the liquid in and then you've got to wait before right. it actually has the strength. So this is the stage where discipline, deferred gratification will start paying rewards, but you have to start those behaviors to be successful in the long term. So in order to think about sort of baseline, just starting out, the very first thing we have to talk about is level one of wealth is stability. And if you remember, stability is staying above the above water. It's having your basics covered, making sure you can pay your bills. So there are a few ways that we think that manifests when you're in your 20s. Here's sort of the first one that's sort of high level top line. It's not living paycheck to yep. paycheck anymore. You know, when you first start working, you're like, oh man, I needed to get to the end of the month or I needed to get to Friday. Once you start moving into the level of wealth where you have some stability in your financial circumstance, you're no longer that person who has to count on payday to get here to know that you're going to be able to pay your bills. Yeah, and I think it's important to say, you're probably not going to have level one immediately conquered. Sure. For all of our 20, 21, 22, 23-year-olds who just graduated college, you realize when we're talking about the five levels of wealth, your primary thing in your 20s is probably to conquer level one, which mm -hmm. is stability. That's right. We'll talk about number two, which is the strategy next, yep. but it is one of those things know that this is your goal. You have to get past living paycheck to paycheck to have the success. And that probably means you're going to have tools like budgeting. That's right. We hate budgeting. It's not fun. Nobody likes to do it. But it is one of those prerequisites that you have to check the box on it so that you can eventually graduate to a cash management plan. Yeah, and what I think is so wonderful is budgeting is actually a lot easier now than it has been historically. There are worksheets, spreadsheets, apps, softwares, websites, it's not hard. If you're not budgeting and not tracking where your dollars are going, more likely than not, it's just because of laziness. Put the practice in so that you have the muscle memory for good habits and good behaviors. It'll set you up on all the other, other successes that are coming your way. The second sign of stability is that you don't have any credit card debt. Yeah. Uh, we just think in terms of, if you're thinking about pouring concrete, you got to get all the air out of there so it doesn't create <laughs> bubbles. You do not have credit card debt if you're at the stability phase. You have recognized that that is just not the way that you want to build your financial foundation, your financial future. Well, I think I, we didn't talk about this in show prep, but I know working around growing neighborhoods, mm -hmm. one of the biggest things you have to watch out for is local kids tearing up junk <laughs> on construction sites. I think credit cards are like the kids, the neighborhood kids that are stealing stuff, punching holes in the drywall and everything else. you got to make sure you have protection because all credit cards are is compounding interest working against That's you. Right. Remember, in your way. 20s, we're going to show you in a second how powerful it is. You want it working for you, so you got to pay those credit cards off monthly. But I think there's even a better level. You have to have a, just a healthy relationship with debt in general. What do we mean by that? You have to understand how it works. I can't tell you how many of, how many of my peers I saw in their 20s, they say, oh, well, I don't have a debt problem because I can afford the monthly payment. Yeah. So long as I can pay the $100, $200, $300 a month, I'm fine. You don't recognize that you have a short-sighted income statement mindset. You really need to have a long view of the balance sheet. You need to have a net worth mindset when it comes to debt. And I quickly want to give some guidance on this so that we don't get hung up on the debt issues because I feel like we've done a lot of content recently mm -hmm. on debt. But you do need to make sure you get your financial ratios in order. Yep. These are good kind of benchmarks that will keep you safe. Number one is housing needs to be less than 25% of your income. That's right. Um, autos need to be less than 8% of your gross income. And then credit cards, you know what the answer is, zero balance, meaning you are paying these things off monthly. You're using this as a convenience, not as a way to bridge your cash flow, not a way to, for you to fake success while your income is growing. You're paying these things off monthly. Now, remember, what we're not saying is don't use credit cards. We're actually of the opinion that credit cards can be a fantastic tool inside your tool belt because of rewards and miles and all those things, but you have to use them responsibly and you have to know yourself whether you can actually exhibit the behavior to use them responsibly. Because if you can't, just like someone who can't operate a chainsaw safely, you got to get rid of them. And also in this cyber world where everybody's stealing your, trying to steal your identity, it gives you some added protection right. there yep. too. Also, uh, let's talk about some habits that will help you focus on building this stability. Mm -hmm. It's because um, I've said this, and I, I, we did a show recently on the number one reason that you're broke mm -hmm. is remember Americans. This is my tough love moment. Americans don't have an income problem; they have a spending problem. Yep. It, it, it reminds me when you go to a coffee shop, talking about latte effect. What do they always ask you? You go put cream in this? 
Well, the reason they ask you if you're going to put cream is that they want a little margin. They try to take a little bit. They don't pour as much coffee in there so that they don't have it spill over yep. the sides. Your life is the same way. You need margin. You need a little bit of extra space. So always spend less than you make so that you have the margin to save for the long term. And I think, I think recognize that because a lot of times the folks say, well, I don't have a spending problem, but we allow that voice inside our head to kind of convince us otherwise. And we'll say things like, oh, you know, I just graduated college. I deserve X. Or I just had this thing happen. I just got a pay raise. I should reward myself by doing X. You used a great sports analogy well, before the show. Well, we just came through the Super Bowl. So I was, I was, it was fresh in my mind. I think one of the biggest things that happens after the Super Bowl is they dump Gatorade on the sure. coaches at the end. Well, I think a lot of college kids, you guys make the biggest mistake is that you're at the end of the first quarter. You've had a success in the fact that you graduated college, and somehow your buddies are running up and dumping Gatorade on you just because, just because you scur- scored your first touchdown. <laughs> guys, that's not long-term success. You still got three more quarters to play that's this right. game. That is going to be a failure. So make sure you're not celebrating doing touchdown dances when you just had your first accomplishment. What do I mean by that? Don't go out there because I have so many case studies in my own personal life and then seeing it with clients and others is that don't go buy yourself the fancy new car just because you graduate college. We see doctors. They don't they go from beat up civic that is, you know, wheels are falling off to the $80,000 BMW. Don't pass go. You know, even though they have six figures of student loan debt sitting over here, don't do that. You do not dump Gatorade on yourself just because you made it through the first quarter. You dump Gatorade when you've won the game. So don't cut the corners off of success. Yeah. The biggest thing as you think about being in the stability stage of the level of wealth in your 20s is that this is where you recognize that discipline and determination and understanding deferred gratification, both financially as well as lifestyle gratification, can have a huge impact on your long-term financial success. Once you have really mastered that idea, mastered that concept, then you can start thinking about moving on to level two stage of wealth. Deferred gratification is your friend. So let's, let's pivot now. Let's go to strategy number two, which is strategy. This is, you know, where you're saving money, how to save money. Essentially, your army of dollar bills is doing what it needs to. Now, here's the thing, Bo. When I talk about army of dollar bills, we know how powerful they are, but it really is. I get a visual. In my 20s, I didn't have an army. Uh Uh-uh. We have militias. You have the A-team, and you're hoping your A-team really is special operators like B.A. Baracus, who's out there just kicking butt and making things happen for you. But it is one of those things you have to remember, and we tell people, we want you at this stage to be saving 20 to 25% right. towards income. Now, there's probably a lot of 23-year-olds, maybe even 25-year-olds going, 20 to 25%, that sounds How a little aggressive. Yeah. So we understand that you're first going to need to crawl then walk, and then run. So what's going to happen is maybe you start with the employer match. Maybe you make sure that you're doing 6 to 8 to 10. But here's the key point. Every time you get a pay raise, I don't want 10% more of that pay raise going to savings. I want at least half, mm-hmm. 50%, because I bet you have no trouble increasing lifestyle. Let's make sure we have no trouble increasing the savings and the army of dollar bills. That's so right. You you'd said it perfectly, Brian. There's this progression. You have to crawl, and then you can walk, and you can run, and you can sprint. I can't tell you how many friends I have that they started crawling. They either started funding their Roth to max it out, or maybe they went and got their employer match. Mm-hmm. And they never changed. Yeah, they went all th- what they the behavior they exhibited in their, at 24 was the same that they had at 29. They didn't actually allow their savings to grow up the same way that their lifestyle was growing up. You have to recognize if you want to have solid strategy in your 20s. You need to recognize that not only do you need to be a saver, you need to be a saver who's getting better at saving. Now, there's a rocket fuel moment here because I want to get people excited and then actually put some numbers to this. But, Bo, the biggest thing 20-year-olds have on their side, I mean, it is the most powerful thing, is time. Because it is rocket fuel for for making sure your financial independence is obtainable. This is the part when you are a 20-year-old looking at your 40-year-old or even 50-year-old peers, you probably got a little green, you're Mm -hmm. envious of their fancy car, their life. Guys, they're envious of what you have, which is called time. But let's talk to them because a little goes a tremendous way. Not a long way, a tremendous way. Let's give them some numbers to this. That's exactly right. You've heard us talk all the time about this concept of 88 times over. We've always said that if you're a 20-year-old who starts saving, every dollar that you save at 20 can turn into $88 by the time you get to 65. Well, we said, let's take it a little bit further because we had folks write us saying, Mm -hmm. well, hey, guys, I'm 24. Is my number 88? Or I'm 28. Is my number 88? 
we actually came up with a solution for you. If you've not had a chance, go to our resource page. You go to moneyguide.com and check out resources. And we actually have a money multiplier um, worksheet, yeah. PDF, fill in the blank, deliverable a tool for you there that you Man, can you download. Man, you just you were basically I was gonna a, a, keep going. you were a thesaurus there. I was we just, just went through all kind of things. Rebe would be so happy with you. Uh, keep going. So what we said is, okay, let's look at all the different ages and let's see what the wealth multiplier is. We want to take a little snapshot and show you just how powerful your dollars in your 20s can be. And what you can see is a 20-year-old, like we always say, $1 at age 20 can turn into $88 by the time that you reach 65. But look what happens. This is a powerful thing. I've gotten so many YouTube comments saying, quit using 20, use 25, because mm-hmm. that's when a lot of us actually get our stuff sure. together and it's it's a more viable number. So we did it. Now, instead of, but by the way, we went a step further and we're going to do this by decade that's for right. everybody. We actually showed you what 21, 22, 23, all the way through. And here's what we did. Y'all know at 20 years of age, we tell you it's about a 10% rate of return. Right. But we actually dropped it by a tenth of a percent yep. every year. So you can imagine by the time you reach 30, it's the 9% we've quoted, but we've taken a tenth off every year. What I can't believe is a 20-year-old, it's 88 88 times multiplier. Mm -hmm. So every dollar you spend or save for your 65-year-old self could be the equivalent of $88. Look what happens for the 25-year-old. $44. $44. It cut in half. Just in that five-year period, the value of that money cut in half. And, and so, but look, I don't want you to panic when you hear this, because if you're listening in podcast terms, because we have a slide up here. Yes, a 20-year-old only needs only needs to save $95 a month to be a millionaire by the time they're 65. A 25-year-old, it's $158. Yep. Still tremendously low in the grand scheme. If you look at the percentage of your money that you have to contribute versus what it could be worth, the lion's share is going to come through appreciation, meaning your army of dollar bills is going to work harder than you actually do. Don't squander this chance. So if you're someone in your 20s who's hearing this, you say, oh man, I'm 27 years old. I wish I would have started at 22. It's a great thing to acknowledge. Go ahead and start now because full-time equivalent Daniel reminded us in show prep. He said, hey, you need to just tell the folks this assumes you start spending that money at 65. Yeah. If you're someone who's 25 and you don't start spending the money until 70, those dollars can turn over into 88. Yeah. So you yeah. have time on your side when you're young. So, and then the other components that we put on here is tools that are helpful. You got to automate your financial life. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and start the habit. I didn't start until I was 31 years of age, and I regret it immensely. Start doing an annual net worth statement. If you start doing that in your 20s, by the time you're in your 40s, you are going to be doing backflips that you actually had that invisible hand tool that is going to motivate you for the future. And then here's something I put in the, the show notes. I want you to bedazzle your basic life. Now, what do I mean by that? I've already gotten on to you guys and I said, Americans do not have an income problem. They have a spending problem. Well, a lot of people are going to mishear that and say, well, I want you basically eating ramen noodles every night. I want you to sit in your apartment. That is not what I'm saying at all. I want you to have a spectacular 20s decade. I want you to go out there and build memories and do things that just forever you'll look back on and be very happy and fulfilled with how you spent your decade. But here's the thing. You go do it on the cheap. I mean, you are going to go visit state parks. You're going to go do things that don't have a lot of cost. That's why I say you're going to bedazzle your basic life, meaning that you're not going to spend a ton of money, but you are going to create a lot of experiences that are reasonable so that you do look back with those good, warm fuzzies. Because I will tell you, I have a lot of travel things that I did in my 20s that were done on the cheap, not because I was a tightwad, but because they were necessary because I just didn't have a lot of money laying around. It was already allocated somewhere else. But those are some of the fondest memories. That's exactly right. Because remember, memories blossom. They actually get better with time. Why do you think 40 and 50-year-old successful people get that glazed over look thinking about how fun it was? They weren't eating steak every night. They were trying to figure out how they made a little go a tremendously long way. Enjoy those moments. Enjoy the phase you're you're in because there'll be opportunities to blow it out and and live like no one else at some other point in the future. So if you're someone in your 20s, one of the ways that you can kind of know if you are right there square in that uh, strategy phase is that you're following along with the Money Guy order of operations. And Reba, we'll put a link to this in the show. We'll put a link to our order of operations. But really what you're focusing on is you're focused on steps number one through five. If you had a chance to go out there and listen, that's cover the deductibles, match from employer, you're taking care of high interest debt, you have your emergency reserves, and then you're taking advantage of tax-free opportunities like your Roth, like your HSA. If you're in one of these five levels, there's a really good chance that you're in the strategy level 
of your wealth building process in your 20s. And everybody watching this in YouTube world, you see that we've only highlighted one through five because that's probably what you're focusing on in the 20s, but you, there is more to come in future years. Yep. So let's kind of pivot now and let's talk about the third level, which is security. Mm-hmm. We've made it through, you know, kind of stability. We're paying the bills. We've made it through building the army of dollar bills with, you know, with our strategy. But now let's talk about security. What does that mean? Yeah, security is not sweating the small stuff. So one of the things you might be asked is, okay, well, I'm still early on in my journey. So what does not sweating the small stuff look like? Or how do I know if I can not sweat the small stuff in my 20s? Well, it's really, you're, you're trying to race as fast as you possibly can to get to a savings rate of 20 to 25%. Mm-hmm. That is the number you're racing to. That way, you, here's what happens when you get to 20, 25%. It's back to my, my, my coffee analogy. If you can get here early, and, and you know by the time you're 30 years of age, be at 25% savings rate, then you're not stressing yourself out if you go on vacation, if you buy, if you enjoy getting a Starbucks a few times a week or getting guacamole while you're at Chipotle, even though it's a complete ripoff. I mean, you can, you can do all that stuff without the stress because you're paying yourself first. It's automated. That's, right. That's the big part that we're trying to build up in security. It doesn't mean that you're not sweating the small stuff like you can travel anywhere and do things at any point in time like you won't. It just means that you are now building enough margin that you get a little little bit of satisfy, you know, satisfying rewards for your sacrifice while you are younger. So let this be a little bit of a gut check. If you are someone who is drinking the Starbucks or adding guac at Chipotle and you haven't, you've not gotten to the 20 to 25% savings level, maybe you need to go back and reassess level number two, the strategy, and make sure you're checking the boxes there. Number four, mm-hmm. freedom. This is, you know, when we talk about freedom, we're actually talking about financial independence. That's right. Now, I think this is something you are laying foundational. Remember, this is the structural engineer phase where you are pouring the concrete. This is the deferred gratification, the discipline, the understanding, all the healthy behaviors that go into it. But you're likely not actually at financial independence right. in your 20s. That's exactly right. You should begin to be thinking about what does that mean and am I doing the things to move me there? Your goal should not be to obtain it. Your goal should be by the end of your 20s to recognize that you are on your way to it, that you're moving towards it. And then step number five is abundance. Mm -hmm. Now look, abundance, legacy planning, all this stuff is something that is aspirational for the future in your 20s. You're not going to be there in your 20s, but we want to give you, just go ahead and put that out there so that you don't hold yourself thinking. Because I think people sometimes, if you don't know where you're supposed to be, I don't want you comparing yourself to other people. I just want you to know where you are in your journey sure. so you have the right perspective. That's the important part of this. Yeah, and I think that a lot of a lot of uh, 20-year-olds, they try to go grab abundance and they try to go grab financial independence. Or at least look like it. You're stressing yourself out. Focus on the first three levels of wealth. Focus on getting your stable asset base. Focus on having strategy in place. And then if you have those things in place, you can start having some security as you build towards financial freedom, as you build towards financial abundance. A lot of the joy is in the journey, not the destination. The sooner you recognize that in the 20s, the happier you'll be. So that's that's the 20s. Great closeout on that. And now I want to pivot. I want to talk about the 30-year-olds because this is the part. We've got the foundation poured. We've got, you know, so the concrete's there. The footings are there. we got to frame the walls on yep. this thing. We've got a house that we're of our financial independence that we're building. Your 30s is the stage now where we will be putting the structure on top of this thing. So I want to talk about first stability. This is, you should be doing all the things we covered for the 20-year-olds. You should have accomplished already under stability, meaning this is, you're not, you're not having any trouble paying your bills. You're not living paycheck to paycheck. You understand debt. You have healthy um, financial ratios, and then you're establishing sound financial habits. Yeah, just say it again, healthy financial ratios. Your housing does not exceed more than 25% of your gross income. Your auto payments or auto debt doesn't exceed 8% of your gross of your gross monthly income. And then you recognize that credit cards should have a zero balance. If you're doing that, you've kind of covered the stability that you should have learned inside of your 20s. And you're also not leaving behind the risk management That's right. issues. That's this the is your one. emergency reserves. This is if you have children having some estate 
documents for them. Life insurance, if somebody's counting mm-hmm. on your income, we like term, by the way, without going too deep into it. Um, and then making sure you even have disability insurance, or at least checking the box yeah, on it. Disability is one that, I, that really uh, caught, caught me, because what I recognize is in our 20s, we feel invincible. Yeah. Well, we're going to be honest, in our 30s, we kind of still feel invincible. <laughs> but now there are other people counting on us, so we have to come to the reality that maybe we're not. So making sure you do have those protect those correct risk measures in place is huge, and that's how you're going to know in your mind, okay, I've done the stability piece, now I can start thinking about the strategy piece. So pivoting to strategy, here's the thing, saving 20 to 25%. I, I'm willing to give the grace to the 20-year-olds that this is probably an aspirational goal, because, because remember, we talked about you have to crawl, walk, and then you run. I will tell you, by the time you're in your 30s, you need to be saving 20 to 25%. Yep. It's no longer aspirational. You should definitely be at the strategy phase or level two of where you are in your walk towards financial independence. Yeah, you said it perfect in pre-show, Brian. You said it's not a goal. Now it's a habit. Yep. And the reason it's habit is because this is kind of the last stop on the easy money train. So let's scare them a little bit with actual numbers on okay. this. Is because we, we know, every 20-year-olds know that their money is worth 88 times over, meaning every dollar they save or spend has a potential by the time they're 65 to be the equivalent of $88. We also know from the previous slide and the drop in rate of returns that you expect as you get older, you take risk down. Um, It's $44 for a 25-year-old who spends a dollar. What happens to people in their 30s? Yeah, so once you get to 30, your wealth multiplier is actually 23. So now that's still super, super exciting. What that means is every dollar you save at age 30 can turn into $23 by the time that you turn 20, uh, 65. So there's still a lot of juice. But look at what happens as you move through your 30s. And again, if you want to go see this, go out to our website, moneyguide.com. Go to our resource page. This is actually a resource available for you guys out there. You can download it, share it with friends. We want you to have it. But look at what happens as the wealth multiplier moves through time. It starts at 23 when you're 30. Well, by the time you get to 35, it drops to 12. And by the time it gets to 39, now you're in single digits. It's down to eight. And so when you hear that, you might be thinking, oh, well, that's sad. That stinks. That's not... You should be thinking more about, okay, have I done the hard work in my 20s? Because this is where it gets really exciting. If you're a 30-year-old who really busted in your 20s, and maybe you've saved up $100,000 by the time you get to 30, which is incredible, that $100,000 without you saving one more dollar has the ability to turn to $2.3 million. It really is the last stop on easy compounding growth. So, Because you'll notice once you get into your 40s, you don't see double digits anymore on this. So that's why pay attention. We want compounding interest to work for you. So it's important to get to work. Now, we said this in pre-show, and I think it's worth, because this is why we say it's the last stop. Mm -hmm. Still even a 35-year-old, that's less than what you have to fund on a Roth IRA to be a millionaire, meaning $500 oh, yeah, right. a month. So it's at four fifty-two. It's still possible. I don't want you guys to get overwhelmed thinking we're poo-pooing the opportunity mm-hmm. to become seven-figure wealthy. But it is one of those things you just be, need to be deliberate. Let your money work for you because it's the last stop. At 36 years old, all you have to do is max out your Roth IRA and you're on your way to being a millionaire by the time you're 65. Now, I think that's pretty powerful. It is powerful, especially because the next point is, is that you are now 10,000 hours. You're yeah. getting traction in your career at this point. And that's why we think the strategy is there is because you do have the hours put in. You're no longer learning your trade. It's no longer a job. Hopefully now you're working in a career Make that happen. Make that be something that is an asset towards your financial success. Yeah, I think a really big, a really big indication that you are in this strategy phase is that it's not just a job. You said it perfectly. There's actually more to what you're doing on a daily basis, and you're actually using that to move you forward. And then I think the other thing that psychologically happens in our 30s is that now you begin to say no, not out of necessity, but out of discipline. Yeah. In your 20s, you have to say no to a lot of stuff because you just can't afford it. You don't That's have the exactly money. That's exactly right. In your 30s, maybe you do have the money. You say, no, I, I don't, I'm not going to buy the luxury car because I have other goals. I'm not going to increase the house because I have other goals. You make those decisions out of discipline instead of out of necessity. And it also keeps you, don't keep up with the Joneses. Don't look at Joe Blow down the street because Joe Blow is probably broke, crying at night, yep. to, putting himself to sleep. Save the sexy cars for when you're a little bit older. You need those dollars working for you. That army of dollar bills is so powerful. Don't mess it up. And this is also the part, you said it best, when we did about the 20s, how consistent are you, Bo? Because there's going to be a chance for you, 
a lot of people, you said it, a lot of your friends started saving like a Roth IRA or started funding mm-hmm. it partially in their 20s. But then you look at them when they're 33 years old and they still have the same funding yep. levels. Don't do that. This is your chance to actually be consistent with your savings goals, but also be consistent with your consumption. Don't yep. let somebody, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Love that. Number three, security. This is level three of where you are with wealth. Security, this is hopefully, remember I told you guys the cuss word of budgeting. We don't, nobody likes budgeting, but you're hopefully in your 30s. If you're already saving the 20 to 25%, you can now graduate to a cash management system. Mm-hmm. Now you're using what we call forced scarcity. As you get pay raises, you're just being... You're setting up the automated funding system so that it continues to expand your opportunities towards financial independence. Now, you may be saying, Brian, well, that, that sounds a lot like strategy. You're talking about forced scarcity and that sort of thing. Why on earth would you put that into security? Because one of the things that does happen in your 30s, a 30-year-old is very different than a 39-year-old. If you know that you have forced scarcity happening, if you know you're saving the 20 to 25%, then maybe it's okay to do other things, to spend in other ways, and not have any of that guilt of saying, oh, am, am I doing what I'm supposed to do, or am I doing my money going where it needs to be going? If you have forced scarcity in place, it frees you a little bit to have the security that it's okay to spend for whatever the thing you want to spend for may be. Yeah, because you're hopefully, like I said, stage three is you're not sweating the small stuff anymore. And the reason part of that's happening, and I think this is probably an indicator of success, is it's likely you might be hitting you know, comfortable range with your income. That means your income is over $75,000 a year. That is the threshold. When they've done all the research, happiness, because the basics are covered. So let's just make sure that we we are doing good things with that. You are probably also at the stage now that you've, as we call it, bought the farm. You got the house, (laughs) the kiddos, the spouse. So you need to be, we we also call it, that's the nice way of saying it. We also call it the messy middle. So it's okay if you feel uncomfortable or you feel like there's not enough money, not enough hours. You are in the messy middle, and that's completely okay in this stage as well. Now, remember, in your 20s, as you're building your army of dollar bills, you're getting your gang of misfits together, or as you said, the A-team, the specialists. Now in your 30s, hopefully your army is starting to actually look like an army. You're starting to see it grow and grow. So now the size of your portfolio is getting to where you're at some meaningful levels. It's not just what you can scrap together on the side. That's exactly right. And then What's the, what's the, if we talk about foo, financial order of operations, how many of these things should be accomplished in your 30s? Yeah, so obviously in your 20s, if you're doing it right, you want to be hitting one through five. We think in your 30s, this is probably where steps number six and seven happen. And just as a, to jog your memory, step number six is maxing out retirement plans. So not just getting the match, not just doing your Roth, but now you're actually maxing out the simple IRA, maxing out the 401k, whatever that may be. And not only are you just building tax and pre-tax assets or in post-tax or in a, uh, tax-deferred assets or tax-free assets, you're also possibly even opening up like a brokerage account and saving in that third tax bucket, and you're beginning to look at accumulating some sort of tax diversification. And, and a good part of security, because we do want you to be keeping track, so this is not all just dreams floating around yep. that you're actually keeping charts of things, net worth statement. This no, is this, yeah. will, this will let you, because how are you to keep track if you're maxing out retirement options or how much is, is tax-deferred after tax or tax-free? Net worth statement is going Absolutely. to be your friend, so don't blow that opportunity. And then that leads to stage four of your walk towards the, the steps of wealth is freedom. Yep. Financial independence. Now, look, we're still, this is one of those things, we're in our 30s. This seems highly aspirational. Uh-huh. I don't think there's a lot of people that are actually at, you know, where your money is working for you completely, meaning replacing expenses, replacing what you make. But it is one of those things where we can at least start talking about this. Yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting, you've heard us talk about this before, but we think when it comes to building your army of dollar bills, there are sort of three phases to know that your army is where it's supposed to be. Phase number one is your army has gotten so big that it actually makes more than you can save in a year. So if you're saving $10,000 a year, but one day you see that your portfolio made $10,000, you're like, holy cow, it put away more money than I did. That's phase number one. Phase number two is that your portfolio actually makes more than you spend in a year. So if you know, hey, I spend $2,000 a month, you recognize, well, my portfolio made $24,000 this year. Holy cow. And the third phase actually replaces your income. It actually grows to the point to where 
it works literally harder than you work to generate wealth for you and your family. So in the 30s, because you're saying since there's three phases of wealth, you're saying that number one is probably the box probably could the be one checked, that you're be meaning that you could your army of dollar bills has reached the critical mass size where it's big enough to where likely in a good year it can grow more than what you likely save that's exactly through right. contribution. Yep. So that, that's a powerful thing and um, really good stuff. And that leads to level five or stage five of your walk towards which level of wealth are you is number is abundance. And this, Bo, I still don't know that a lot of 30-year-olds have reached because abundance means money. You're just on a different relationship level with money. You don't worry about it. You don't have to think about it. It, it, it takes on a different meaning at this now, point. Look, I don't want to engage the trolls. And I'm nervous with what I'm going to say. We didn't talk about this in pre-show prep. But I have some counterparts who they aim to achieve financial independence in their 30s. They're yep. part of the FIRE movement. They want to exit the workforce incredibly early. What I think is really interesting, if someone who falls in that camp, odds are you're probably just going to stop at the financial freedom phase. You're probably going to stop at the, okay, well, I can pay my bills and do my things. There's a chance if you are exiting that early and trying to achieve abundance in your 30s, it's going to look a little bit different than what we define as true financial abundance. Well, I think also it's one of those things, because I'll group four and five, the freedom and abundance together in this, is that there's there's some pretty popular bloggers. I've even followed them for a while. They they did this when they were in their 30s. Yep. And then you know what happened? The messy middle middle kind of whooped them a little bit. And the fact that kids blow everything up, <laughs> you know, kids kind of blow. So that's the thing. I would just challenge my 30-year-olds. You don't know how much your life is going to change right. between your 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yep. So think of this as you want to make sure you're putting all the steps in your plan of action into effect but you're probably not fully at abundance yet. But in your 30s, you still start recognizing it's possible. You know, in your 20s, abundance is just sort of this pipe dream. But in your 30s, you just start seeing, man, this is something I can obtain, I can achieve. I've just got to stay the path and keep doing the good work. So now we get to do a little Brian self-reflection because we're going to reach what financial success should look like in your 40s. I still get to claim the 40s. I'm getting on the latter part yeah, of the I like, 40s. Yeah, you've, you've seen the majority of this decade, so you get to really share some That, that creates wisdom, though. That's, that's wisdom. Experience and mistakes create wisdom, so I can, I can share some of that. But this is the stage. You're kind of at the fulfillment seeker point. This is where you are starting to have some successes, not only financially, but with your career. You're also getting, like I said, wisdom, because you have lived enough life. You know what works, what doesn't work. So this is the part we want to kind of talk about. Where are you on your five stages of wealth with this? Is, 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 is the dream really built to last? Sure. So, of course, level number one is stability. Stability. As you, stability, that's a funny word, uh, is stability. As you can imagine, it's all the stuff that we talked about inside your 20s and 30s. It's the healthy ratios, not having more than 25% of your cash flow go to housing, not having more than 8% going to autos, not carrying credit card debt. It's understanding that your risks are covered. You have life insurance and estate documents and disability insurance and emergency reserves. You've mastered the muscle memory of cash flow management. You probably don't have to budget anymore yep. because you know how to do for scarcity. You know how to do cash flow management. But here is something that we think that changes in your 40s. You probably have whittled down your balance sheet to where, at least by the end of your 40s, you probably have one debt left. Yeah. You have one debt left, most likely. Well, and that's your low interest mortgage debt. Right. And we think that's actually pretty healthy. I'm okay. You guys know. Here's a benchmark that we share all the time, and there's some math behind this. Under 45, don't focus on the low interest mortgage debt. We want your army of dollar bills, your compounding growth working for yep. you. Over 45, get that debt out of here. We want you to be completely financially independent, meaning you have no obligations or any encumbrances put upon you, and that's debt. So it's okay, but this is the phase in your 40s. You're probably going to start paying down the mortgage debt. And then I think it's so funny, Brian, it's pre-show prep, when we were talking about the 20s, it's like, yeah, man, you know, in your 20s, it's just easy to just die $100 at a time. Yeah. And you're like, if you think that's bad, wait till your 40s. Well, it is, because, you know, a thousand. I remember in my 20s, and even in part, parts of my early 30s, $1,000, if somebody had walked up to me on the street and given me $1,000, it would have changed my sure. where I was right then. You will see and you get in your 40s, you cannot make $10 mistakes, $100 mistakes. You're starting to make $1,000 mistakes because this is the part where lifestyle creep, you're thinking, you know what, that mortgage seems small. 
I'm kind of at the point I could afford to go to a bigger house, mm-hmm. nicer car. You just need to make sure you understand the why. Because just because you can flex doesn't mean you should flex. Right. It's, well, it's, it's just not This is where you can make $1,000 mistakes. It's a weird analogy for me because I operate under the assumption if ever you can flex, you should certainly flex. <laughs> We're not talking about actually breaking down into oh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger flexing. pose okay. or anything like that. That does lead from – we go from stability to strategy for your 40s. This is where I do think hopefully you've had – I've shared this often is that I had some life goals. In my 30s, I wanted to cross – You know, when I was 30, I wanted to hit six figures. When I was 40 – I wanted to have seven figures liquid. So when you think about that in those terms, you probably need a co-pilot. This yep. is when you might want a financial advisor to kind of help you with what's going on with your finances. Yeah, you know, we think that there are a couple of different times it makes sense to hire an advisor. And this is one of the things, either the size has gotten so big that you start to feel nervous, or perhaps you have so many things pulling you in so many different directions that you don't have time to be able to do it. Or maybe it's just gotten complicated. Yeah. You say this all the time that, Success breeds complexity. You don't have to seek it out. You it kind of don't have to you. go look for it. It's going to find you. So Trust me. In your 40s, it's kind of interesting how there's sort of a confluence of all three of those things kind of starting to hit you all at once. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that we're going to make available to you guys is if you are in your 40s, you're someone who's thinking about maybe going to hire a financial advisor, if you haven't had a chance to go out to our resource page, you should go out to moneyguide.com, go to resources, and we're actually equipping you. If you're someone who's interviewing looking, we're going to make available a deliverable for you eight questions to ask your financial advisor. So it is right there for you. You can go through this. This will allow you to understand, okay, what's this person do? How do they do it? What are the things I ought to know before I make this decision? This is free. It's available. It's for you. It's out there. So go check that part out. And I think, but that's a good pivot point because you're going to have some big discussion points. When you're in your 40s, now that your army of dollar bills has reached this level, you are starting trying to figure out strategy. You're trying to make sure you're doing this right with the co-pilot. And we've talked about mortgage debts and other things come into play. But I think it would be very helpful for people to understand when we talk about the wealth multiplier, how does that, because you are going to have strategy decisions that you'll have to make in your 40s that, yes, it feels good emotionally to pay this off here or to do this here, but that might not be optimized. Sure. So that's why it's good to know what your options are. Yeah. So again, if we're going to look at the wealth multiplier again, you can access this by going to the resource page at moneyguide.com. A 40-year-old, every dollar they save can still can still turn over seven times by the time they get to age 65. Yeah. Now, it does decrease through time by the end of the 40s at 49 it, it only triples. And I say only triples, that sounds kind of silly to say, but you had mentioned real easily, Brian, that you know you had a goal that by 40 in your 40s, you wanted to have a million dollars liquid. Well, looking at these numbers, if you attain that goal by 40, you're on track to have $7 million by the time that right. you retire. If you have a million dollars by the time you're 49, you're on track to have $3 million by the time that you retire. So your money can still be very valuable. It's a matter of how much of the hard work you've done to build up that army that can start working for this you. This is the perfect example of why 20-year-olds should be careful looking at 40-year-olds. And 40-year-olds, you're going to be so proud of yourself if you actually put in the hard work while right. you're younger. Because it is hard to feel sorry for a 40-something-year-old yep. if you've reached seven figures. Because the multiplier effect, even though it's not as big, it's going to be enough to put those inflation trolls to bed. For 100%. sure, you will be completely in a great place. And then this is the part, I already talked about the flexing. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just make sure you don't price yourself outside of what creates success. Because there are things, if you keep pushing your lifestyle up, you can get in a situation where you price yourself out of happiness. And that's the part, I will tell you, on purpose, even as my income has gone up in my 40s, I've just quit swimming upstream. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you make more than a lot of your neighbors. It's okay if your house is not as big as it could be. Sure. There's more to money than just how much you can spend on it. So I want you to, that's a big part of what's going on with strategy in your 40s. Yep. And then I think the last thing you said, Brian, is in your 40s, you, you should have been doing this in your 20s and 30s, but if, if, you, if you weren't, in your 40s, you certainly need to start taking a temperature of your goals. You need to start assessing, am I actually on track, ahead of the curve, behind the curve? And one of the best ways we think that you can do that 
is you have to be tracking your net worth statement annually. And use it like a CFO would. I mean, track how much of this is is, is liquid assets. I mean, how much of this is actually going to be something that can pay for, yep. replace expenses, or replace my income? You know, and how's the allocation shaping sure. up? Because we know you can be a wild person in your 20s and 30s, but you got to start thinking about risk because you're going to land this airplane in the next few decades. And then what do you need to live off of? I'm always amazed when I ask very successful people, what is your burn rate for your household? Sure. A lot of people don't know that. So you start figuring that stuff out. A net worth statement is going to be a big fundamental fundamental building block in that process. And look, if you don't know where to start, and you're like, I have no idea how to do a net worth statement, go out to moneyguy.com, download our 30-minute financial plan. We actually put a template in there for you. So if yep. you want a net worth statement that you can take and use and figure out how to mold for your liking, go grab that. It's available. It's free. It's accessible for you. So I want to pivot from strategy now to security. Sure. And security, remember, is where you're not sweating the small stuff. But what does that mean for a 40-year-old? Yeah, I'm actually kind of curious. What does not sweating the small stuff mean? Well, for, I mean, we've look. Go check out our content on the, my transition from tightwad because there was nobody leaner with money than I am to now not being a tightwad because it is one of those things where you lose the latte effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not sweating. You, if you want to go get a coffee. Quite a few times a week. If you want to do, you know, travel or even, I will tell you, this is the phase I've driven every car for 10 to 12 years. Sure. Bought a Tesla in my 40s, though. And a lot of people, they get mad when they find out you have two nice cars. You're like, yeah, but if you saw in relationship to the work that has gone into and the assets that are working behind the scene, I think it's perfectly acceptable to go do things that bring you happiness. Go find what makes you happy. Go hyper-focus on spending that because you know you've automated and you've done the steps previously and you're not jeopardizing your financial future. Why do we get mad at people for buying nice cars in their 20s and 30s? Is because they are skipping steps. Mm-hmm. They're cutting corners off the fact because it actually is detrimental to their financial future. Yep. It's not hurting my financial future to have this. And I want you to have that same thing so you can do that. I think that's the part about security. You don't have to necessarily sweat the small stuff if you've done it right. And I think one thing that I've watched you do, Brian, because I've been hanging out with you since you were in your early 30s. Do you remember? I mean, like, do you recognize? Like, we've been hanging out for a long time now. And one of the things you say is you always used to tell your wife, look, if we can just buckle down right now, mm-hmm. you told her in her 20s, and if we can just buckle down right now, we can pull off the gas in our 40s. If we just buckle down, we can pull off our gas. Well, one of the ways that you know you're in the security phase is if we you, you do your net worth statement, you look at what you have and say, uh, you know what? We can't. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to pull off the gas. That is a surefire sign that you are starting to master the security level in your 40s. Yeah, I mean, because this is probably the stage where you can think about vacations, yep. traveling. You're just not sweating the little things. You're not worried about if you're ordering drinks at dinner. That's right. It just doesn't come into play anymore. And you probably are at this point also at a seven-figure liquid portfolio. Sure. And, that, and that really helps out. And this is the part where you will start questioning happiness versus fulfillment. There's a huge difference. Make sure you understand... Happiness means you can cover the basics. Fulfillment means you wake up every morning feeling like you're working towards making things better. You really feel good about the direction of your life. And that lets us transition into freedom. Okay. This is the level of wealth where, you know, freedom means you're doing things on your terms, when, where, and how. That's financial independence, and people like that. This might happen in your 40s. It's bonus territory. I'm not counting on most people because the reality is most people don't even cross into millionaire status until their early 50s, according to the research. Yeah, I think what's interesting is what we see is that most folks don't hit true financial independence in their 40s. But when you think about it, they can see the runway in their 40s. And potentially even the landing gear is down. It's about, okay, if I know that I'm going to exit the workforce at 55 or before 60, in my 40s, I can start to see that taking shape. At least in your 40s, you should start start being able to recognize what does financial independence look like. And Am I making the steps or am I taking the steps that are going to get me there? Well, and I want to give because I think a lot of people watch our content and they, they're wired like us. They're the financial mutants like we are. I will go ahead and tell you guys, it wasn't until probably 42, 43 this was the first time my financial life didn't feel like chaos because oh. there was always things that's going how, on. Now, always fantastic. No, it really because no, I know you're in that messy middle <laughs> of the like 30s chaos. right now. Because there's it doesn't mean you're not saving in your 20s or 30s, but it just means that it's tough. There's mm-hmm. sacrifice. It's hard because you got kids, you got community, you got other causes, and you know it's just a lot of things are pulling on your back pocket or your purse. Yep. 
40s is the first time if you've done it right. I feel like you, you kind of don't feel like you're in chaos anymore. The goals start kind of happening easier and with a lot less stress. Now, I do think, you know, based on the clients that we get to work with, Brian, you know, we talk about the three levels of army building. Your portfolio yeah. gets so big that it makes more than you can save. And then the second tier is it makes more than you can spend or more than your annual yeah. expenditures. And the third phase is it makes more than your income. I do feel like in, a, in the 40s, we, we see a lot of folks hit, hit number two where it could replace yeah. expenses. And even they're starting to teeter on that, that, that edge where perhaps their portfolio might even make more than they make in a year. And when you have good financial performing years, for sure. But it is, it is so exciting to see your army of dollar bills reach a critical mass to where it can not only accomplish beating what you can save, what you can spend, but also what you earn. That's right. Man, that is fulfilling stuff, guys. That, it, that's why we call it freedom. So let's talk about order, a financial order of operations. What steps should be covered in, in this phase? Yeah, so this is the part where you're kind of hitting the last two order uh, in the order of operation. You're hitting your prepaid future expenses. That's uh, weddings you know you're going to have to pay for. That's college. That's those types of things you know that are coming up. And also, this is the stage. You said that the age, the magical age you said was 45. When you get into your 40s, because the wealth multiplier changes, if you want to start prepaying some of that low interest bet, debt to really focus on getting out of mortgage debt, it's probably okay in your 40s, so long as you're not sacrificing your building to start doing that. Yeah, and I want you to think about in your 40s, and this is just me giving you some sentimental spitting game at you about how you are sentimental in your 40s. You know, I mean, it is one of those things, y'all know, I've become much more sentimental in my 40s. This is the, f- the phase where I want you to be thinking about creating those memories. The kids will be out of the house in no time, so go make those years count. And then for the, all of my people who are part of the FIRE movement who think that they're leaving early, you know we've done a lot of shows on this, withdrawal rates. Safe withdrawal rates is a big discussion point. Hear me out on this. If you are one of these people that thinks you're leaving the workforce in your 40s, you've hit freedom early, you get bonus points for that, realize when we talk about safe withdrawal rates – you're probably thinking in the threes, mm-hmm. not the fours and fives, that's because right. that's reserved for the sixties, the fifties, sixties, you know, and, and even beyond, yep. where you can get into those higher safe withdrawal rates. You need to be thinking conservative and put it in the threes. Said a little bit differently. If you're doing back of the napkin math and you know what you need to live off of, and you just divide it by five and say that's the port point oh five, that's the portfolio I need. That math might not hold up in your 40s. You might need to reassess that. And again, think about that copilot. There's a lot of distractions and a lot of things that still are going to happen in your life. So you just want to make sure you got the plan buttoned down. And then this is the part, you know, this is that some of that old man wisdom is you got to know your why. Because you will find the point that you are going to start reaching some of those financial goals. You're going to reach seven figure. You're going to get to the point that maybe there was a dollar figure that you always said you wanted to aspire to. You'll get to it. And if you don't know your why, it's going to feel really empty. And that's the part I'm just trying to share with you. You will wake up with more pep in your step if you actually know what brings you fulfillment Mm -hmm. and you're actually on the path to making that happen. So then I would say what that actually looks like, how that manifests in your 40s, is the abundance, right? If you're at the freedom point, you see what the why is. I think if you're abundant, you're able to actually execute on the why without having to worry about, okay, where is the money going to come from or what do I need to keep doing? Well, remember, abundance abundance supposedly means that you kind of your relationship with money has gone beyond just basic, can it replace my sure. expenses and replace my wages? I will still tell you I think this is aspirational for even those in their 40s, but you probably are starting to edge into some of the tools mm-hmm. that comes from this. Is When I talk about the tools of abundance, I'm talking about charitable giving yep. funds, um, I know I love the Fidelity Charitable Gift Absolutely. Fund. Um, cash balance plans, if you're, right. and if you're in a job with high income and you have the ability to save a large portion because you just don't spend what you make. Yeah, or even the, like deferred the, comp plans. Yeah, there's higher end planning stuff that definitely, and then this is the part, I know I've said it in the 20s, I said it in the 30s, but there really is something fulfilling about helping and supporting others. Being generous is better to give than to receive. Yeah. This is the stage where I think you're probably putting even more of that into action. I agree, 100%. So um, that's the 40s. I kind of want to close this thing out with talking about 50s and 60-year-olds. What does financial financial success look like for 50s and 60-year-olds? So, you know, it's interesting. We've kind of been laying this out as going through the different stages. And we start thinking about, okay, well, what does stability look like for a 50 or 60-year-old? realistically, you should be thinking a lot about stability in your 50s and 60s. You should have already kind of graduated past that. That should have been the things that your younger self kind of figured out. So 
if you haven't already got your basics covered, you probably need to go look back at what were some of the things that I didn't do in my 20s, 30s, and 40s, and how might that affect what I'm going to do moving forward? Yeah, because we've always talked about part of basics covered is you've, and strategy, which is coming up next, is but if you were in your 50s and 60s and you don't have, if you are living paycheck to paycheck, this is going to, remember, you don't have an income problem, you have a spending problem. It's okay because Social Security is right around the corner, and that's what this is set up. It is a social safety net for those that never made a lot of money, never saved a lot of money. It will provide. Now, if you're a high-income person in your 50s and you have these problems, you got an you got an uh-oh moment. Uh-huh. And I just got to tell you, you might be working a lot, lot longer than you anticipated. Yep. So then we move on to the strategy. And here, here's a really – I think this is probably the easiest way to see strategy – inside of your 50s and 60s is you own your life. Yeah. You've actually gotten to the point where you don't owe anybody anything. You know that you've got your debt taken care of and it's just out of the picture. Well, how do you call yourself independent if you have obligations? Right. You, they just don't work together. So you've got to you got to figure out a way to be completely debt-free yep. when you're in your 50s and 60s. That is just, that's common sense to me. And the, the other thing that you have to really start doing is now that you, if you are in your 50s and 60s and you're moving towards retirement next in the workforce, you need to make sure this is one of those things that you measure three, four, five, six times and cut once because it's really hard to get the water back up the hill. So if you're someone who hasn't partnered with a team that can help you navigate that, this might be the area where you do want to have a co-pilot, somebody to step in and help you look at long-term cash flow analysis and stress testing and Monte Carlo simulations. Uh, and so one of the things you can do is if you're curious about how do I pick a good financial advisor, a good co-pilot, Go out to our website, moneyguy.com. Go to the resource page. We're actually going to have available for you eight questions to ask a financial advisor to know if you're hiring a financial advisor who can actually help you navigate some of those difficult-to-navigate things in your 50s and 60s. And I don't want to belabor the point because we have so many – we have done some shows on this. But it is one of those things where you are at the stage when you're in your 50s and 60s. You're asking yourself – Okay, I've been putting money towards Social Security for years. What's the optimization mm-hmm. strategy? What's the you know asset location? You know, I got tax deferred. I got after tax. I've got tax free. Yep. And you mentioned stress testing. You gotta you gotta run some simulations on this. And also, how are you gonna take your money to optimize? And I keep hearing about with the Secure Act. Roth conversion strategies? What does that even mean? Sure. All these things, a good financial advisor is taking into account your entire financial life can kind of check those boxes on that. It, Definitely part of strategy. Yep, they can make sure there's no strategy being left behind as you finish the game, as you finish the fourth quarter. And that leads to number three, which is security. Mm-hmm. This is the part, I will tell you, every successful 50 and 60-year-old is petrified. Are the kids spoiled? Oh, Are yeah. they going to not be good? Because we know the stats. It's Second generation, 70% of second generation wealth just evaporates. By the time you get to the third generation, the grandkids, 90, 90. the stat goes up to 90%. So you can quickly see if you have, if you don't have a good understanding of your money and how to treat, teach these good concepts to your children, don't be a tightwad with you. Don't be a miser. Because your kids and grandkids will have no trouble whatsoever spending your money. Think about that as you're trying to figure out where do I fit with security because you should enjoy this because your kids will have no trouble doing that. That's right. And a big sign of security or a thing that will allow you to rest easy when you are in your 50s and 60s and you're in the security phase is that your kids do have it figured out. We talk about the millionaire next door all the time. We talk about the next millionaire next door all the time. And we know that two of the seven factors of wealth that, exi- that exist on numbers that- Numbers four and five. Numbers four and five are that uh, your kids don't participate in economic outpatient care, meaning you're not like subsidizing the standard of living for your children. And in that same vein, they're financially successful on their own. They're yeah. actually flown the coop. They're out of the house. If you- can do those two things, it will allow you to rest much easier in your 50s, 60s, know that the the baby birds can fly. Yeah, I mean, because a big part of it, like I said, we reference Millionaire Next Door all the time, have the signed copy back here from Dr. Stanley. And the, and, and the thing is that it is, if you can grow and build your own financial independence, not taking out patient care for yourself, and then pass that on to your children, 
that's an incredible legacy. Yep. And that's what we're trying to work for. And that leads to freedom. You're trying to figure out in four, do I have, and this is where you did that. You mentioned it already, Bo, but you measure twice, cut once. Are there some benchmark? Are there some metrics you can use? The answer is yes. What sure. are some of the metrics you can use to know if you are at financial independence and freedom yeah, stage? Yeah, here's a real easy one. Use the millionaire next door formula. Take your age times your income and divide it by 10. If yep. you do that, Whatever that number is will tell you if you're an average accumulator of wealth, but th we think you should strive to be a prodigious accumulator. So take that number and multiply it times two. So age times income divided by 10 multiplied by two. That should give you an idea of where your net worth should be. Or if you want to take even a step further and you are in your 50s and 60s, go look at your annual expenses, like what you spend in a year, what it costs you to live off of, and see, does my portfolio account for 25 times that amount? Yeah, so, that'll give you a good... Back of the napkin indicator right. of how successful you're doing. And then also look at, because we talk about the three stages of your army of dollar bills. We talk about the first stage is, does your army of dollar bills make enough that it replaces what you save in yep. a year? Level two is, does it replace what you spend in a year, yep. your living expenses? And stage three is, does it replace what you can earn with your back, your hands, your brain? Mm -hmm. Guys, this stuff, your investments should be working to replace that at this at this stage. 40s and 50 year, I mean, 50s and 60 year olds, you should be on the path towards financial independence. Now, I, I do think you said a really interesting thing in pre-show prep, Brian, is that you said... Uh, the thing that I worry about is the 50s and 60-year-olds that I see that are like a rudderless ship. Yeah. They think about, and we talked about this in the episode with Fritz, is they think about, okay, I know I'm going to leave the workforce, but then I don't know what I'm going to do next. Yeah. I know what I'm retiring from. haven't really given a whole lot of thought to what I'm retiring to. Well, I think that's a big part of it because it gets back to that purpose. You're not worried about happiness anymore. You're trying to make sure you're on the fulfillment train. Yep. And a lot of that is making sure... You have hobbies, that you have friends, you know where you're going, because that's a, so much of your life. You have trouble, and we see it all the time. People have a hard time transitioning from saver to consumer of their resources. They also have trouble transitioning from I am worker bee to what the next phase right. looks like. You've got to pay attention to that. The good news, though, if, if your thing is travel, this is the phase when you reach financial freedom. One of the biggest indicators also, besides having your money replace what you can make, is you also don't sweat what it costs to travel. That's right. So there's a lot of fun stuff because remember, those memories do blossom. I want you going out there and creating and investing in experiences. Mm -hmm. If you're worried about spoiling the kids, don't bomb things that rust, rot, or go away or cause, you know, that's where the spoiling comes from. Go create experiences and memories Love with them. It. That's the stuff that brings the freedom. That's the stuff that brings purpose. That's going to make you feel really good about things. And that leads to level five, which is abundance. That's right. And this is the new next phase where money, your relationship with money is completely different. It doesn't really matter anymore in traditional terms. You don't have to work for the money. You don't have to do things just to pay the bills. You've got it covered in spades. Now we're trying to make sure that this is actually bringing fulfillment and legacy. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because we talked about this, Brian. We unfortunately see all the time folks that have mastered financial freedom, financial independence. They are financially independently wealthy, but they they never step into the abundance because they yeah. haven't recognized that they've they've won the game and they like who they are and where they've come, what they're going to get there. They're still striving for something else. They haven't recognized really their purpose, their why, yeah. why they're doing the things that they're doing. Well, the big thing, I want you to get to abundance and still like who you are. I yeah. think a lot of people, yeah, I don't want you to be that miser that the reason we're making movies on Ebenezer or writing books on Ebenezer Scrooge, I want you to like who you are once you make it through this entire journey. That's why we talk about levels of wealth, which stage you're at. All these things are supposed to be benchmarks for you to make sure you're taking, you're measuring twice, and you're not skipping steps so that you also have this, this heart of abundance that does feel like, man, I've made a lot of things happen in a good way. Yep. Uh, I do think once one of the things that you have to remember when you get in your 50s and 60s and as you age is that if you do have abundance it probably doesn't doesn't pay or is not rewarding or filling to be a miser. And yeah. I think we've, that's been kind of a, a recurring theme, but I think we see this most often as people age, and maybe there's some fear or uncertainty that allows that to creep in. Well, I, you know, it was, it was probably two weeks ago. My pastor on a Sunday gave this quote. I was like, is that really a quote, or is that something that everybody... Oh, you always attribute quotes to Albert Einstein or Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin, that's right. I mean, so when I see this, I was like, so I went and Googled it, 
And I don't know if he really said it, but there's a lot of people quoting this. So it must be, so we'll just, we'll give it with that. But the, 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 the story that was shared was, is that John D. Rockefeller's accountant was asked, how much he left behind. Oh, interesting Now, we question. know the question, you know, because it, it's, it's asked in a way that you're asking billions, you know, what, uh-huh. what was the number? And the answer, the smart aleck accountant says, he left all of it. Well, because the truth true. is, and then, I, I, you know, and I, I've shared with you guys, I was watching some YouTube videos. It's amazing what the algorithm recommends to you when you go down these rabbit holes. And it was the whole thing of you never see a hearse that's followed by a U-Haul. That's right. You don't get to take this stuff with you. So you need to think about with an abundance mindset, what are you doing to set up the next generation? What are you doing to make sure that you are enjoying these resources? I've already shared in the previous step. Your kids and grandkids will have no trouble spending your money, so you better get really serious with figuring out what does legacy look like for yep. you, and are, are you serious about making sure that you check all those boxes? Yeah, ab- abundance, it's an exciting thing. Like It's a fun thing to get to reach, to get to be a part of, and one of the things that by the time you're in your 50s and 60s, you have an abundance of experience, yeah. of wisdom, of knowledge, uh, possibly of resources even. Figure out how you can take those things and make the world around you just a little bit better, whether that be going from being a mentee to a mentor or whatever that means for you. Don't discount all the things that you still have to offer the world, even though you're transitioning into a different part of your life. Yeah, because it goes, you can obviously have charitable giving accounts and things Mm -hmm. like that, but you can also go be a mentor. You can go volunteer at entrepreneur type things if that's what your background is. Go find some way. Remember how you you talked about when we were in in level four, Bo, for people in their 50s and 60s, you're worried about what is, what are you retiring to? Mm -hmm. Guys, you can, you can, that's the great thing about you being in control of this is you get to write the story that you want. Yep. So you, if you have all this wisdom, go be generous with it. I'm telling you, it is food for your soul and it will be something that brings you legacy, brings you fulfillment. Big difference between happiness and fulfillment. We want you to have both. That's right. And that's what you can't take that for granted. And that's what's going to hopefully help you make it through these five levels of wealth. By age group, hopefully this was a deep dive that a lot of people had checked the boxes for them. And I did want to kind of close it out. Bo, you, you referenced it at least three times during the show. We have a resource page. If you go to moneyguy.com, I want you to go check out our resource page because we're giving away, we're bringing it. You, if you're looking at this going, I cannot believe these guys are giving all this away for free. There's even more. Wait, there's more because if you go to our website, we do the exact same thing. We call this the abundance cycle where you come and we give it to you for free. You come, learn, apply. It grows over time and then you're going to reach a level of success and here's where the catch comes in. That's when I want you to have those feel-good moments where you go, I remember those guys were the ones. I'm still listening to them a decade later. They invested in me. They made this happen. That's where the abundance cycle actually reaches payoff moment for us because you consider taking the relationship to the next level. So, man, we threw a lot out in this show. I hope it connected. And we really appreciate everybody out there that's part of the Money Guy family. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to go out to YouTube and watch the show, go watch it. Make sure you subscribe so the counter will keep ticking up. Go out to the website, and we just thank you so much for letting us hang out with you. Money Guy team, out. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice.